This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today Attorney George Hall with the law firm of Hall Barrett, PC in Augusta, Georgia. George has an active trial practice with a concentration in personal injury defense and commercial matters. He has tried over 110 cases in his career. He has also served as a mediator and arbitrator in over 225 cases since 1997. George has represented clients and has tried cases in a variety of areas encompassing all types of tort claims, product liability claims, FELA claims, truth and lending claims, professional malpractice claims, and contract disputes. He is a member of the American Board of Trial Advocates and serves on the Board of Directors for the GDLA. George, we're very pleased to have you with us today. Thanks for having me here today, John. Today's topic is on premises liability cases and spoliation claims. And George, can you define a spoliation claim and how do spoliation claims come up in premises liability cases? Certainly, John. Uh, spoliation is defined in Georgia where I practice as the destruction or failure to preserve evidence that is relevant to contemplated or pending litigation. Uh, it comes up quite often now in premises liability cases. There are two primary types of premises liability cases that I deal with. One are your traditional trip and fall, slip and fall claims which occur on a business owner's property. And the more prevalent one you're seeing now, which are attacks by third-party criminals of patrons or visitors on an owner's property. They typically, spoliation claims come up in these two kind of premises cases. When you get a letter from the attorney for the opposing side saying, you know, I represent the plaintiff or the potential plaintiff, and we're asking you to preserve all evidence, uh, videotapes, photographs, or other documents which could be relevant to the claims. Quite often you'll get a long laundry list. And the, the spoliation claim comes up when the party who receives the letter of the notice fails to keep those uh, documents. Um, so it's uh, traditionally that is the way you hear about the claim, and then also it can be the trigger for the spoliation claim if you're not careful. And George, how do you go about avoiding a spoliation claim? Well, to avoid the spoliation claim is as soon as you get that letter, you need to preserve the things that are still available that are outlined in the letter. Typically, in both of these types of premises cases, they're going to ask you to preserve videotapes, typically from surveillance cameras. Also, if there are any photographs taken of the area, if, if you know, there was a trip and fall, slip and fall, you know, if there were photographs taken of the hole in the sidewalk or, or the area where the plaintiff allegedly fell or, or if you're in the grocery store, the, the water on the floor, the grapes on the floor. And it's also very important, I see this as a problem sometimes, is if you take photographs, it's really important to time stamp them so you can give a point of reference when the photographs were taken. Another way to avoid a spoliation claim is a litigation hold on emails. It's common um, that they ask for emails, and if it's a big enough incident, it's a smart and best practices to advise everybody in your organization to keep their emails concerning these kind of events. And a very disturbing trend you're seeing now is that uh, the courts are starting to take the position, if you should reasonably expect litigation is coming, then you have a proactive duty to preserve. Uh, many years ago, it was it was basically the notice from the other side triggered it, but there were cases now in Georgia where I practice. I read one last night, even in the advance sheets, when I was reading some advance sheets last night, 
where the court said if it is, you know, if you should reasonably contemplate litigation is coming, you have a duty to preserve it. And can you tell us about the sanctions for a spoliation claim? Sure. And there are a wide range of sanctions that can come up in, in these type claims. John, the most typical one is uh, that if the evidence is not preserved, then that the other side can get a jury charge. Uh, and the jury charge typically will tell the jury that there's a presumption that the evidence that was not preserved would have been harmful to the spoliator. Um, as an example, I had a case many years ago where I defended a local restaurant where a lady said she broke her tooth on a foreign item in a chicken sandwich, and my client kept the, the sandwich in a refrigerator at the restaurant for almost two years, and right before the statute ran, a new manager came on board, and they said, well, we're not keeping this, and they threw it away. Well, lawsuit, of course, was filed. We couldn't produce the sandwich, and they got a jury charge on spoliation in the case. So uh, that's the most typical uh, sanction that comes about. You can also receive a monetary fine. Uh, and the more common one also is striking an affirmative defense. Um, you may have uh, filed in the case, and the ultimate sanction is your answer as a defendant can be struck and put you in default, and then the uh, trial is simply on damages. So um, the, the sanctions are wide-ranging and can be very, very uh, detrimental to a defendant or an insured in a case. George, if someone is, is attacked on an insured's property, how should they deal with law enforcement? You know, it, good question, John. It, typically, when this happens, I, my advice to clients is always, you know, it's your civic duty and it's the right thing to do to always cooperate with authorities. I think one thing you need to be careful of, and I've had this come up before, is if you give the law enforcement the videotapes, I had that come up in a very big case one time, make sure you have almost a chain of evidence of where it is going so you know how to find it years down the road if there's a claim. And also the law enforcement is generally, you know, will be very supportive of you in a civil case if it's filed, especially when you've helped them out. So, you know, my advice is very simply you cooperate fully with law enforcement in these type situations. But do, if you turn over evidence to them for a criminal prosecution, it's very important that you know where the evidence you pulled went so you can establish a chain of custody if they maybe misplaced the evidence. If an insured wants to repair or re renovate the property after someone is injured, what should they do? Um, typically, what I advise people, and this comes up a lot in sort of the trip and fall, slip and fall case, you know, there's, 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 maybe there is the hole in the sidewalk and you want to repair it. Or I had a case recently a few, a few years ago for a local um, uh, landowner, and they, they wanted to renovate the area where this incident occurred. It was just on their normal routine maintenance schedule. What I always advise clients to do is to notify the other side in writing and say, you know, we are going to renovate, repair this property on X day, uh, and give them a reasonable amount of time and put in the correspondence. If you would like to come inspect, photograph the property, even have an expert come look at it, we ask that you do it by this date. Um, I think it is, you know, as I said, it's very important to obviously put it in writing. So there's a record you made that offer to them. And it's also, you need to give them a reasonable amount of time. I mean, if, you know, if it's, you're going to do, you don't need to tell them the day before you're going to do it. You need to get out here this afternoon. You need to give them, you know, seven to ten days notice at least uh, to do it. And then if you do that and it's all documented, they should um, not be able to make any kind of spoliation claim over that. And can you tell us how an insurance carrier is potentially impacted? 
you know, spoliation claims obviously can have huge impacts on the insurance carriers in the case, John. They can lead to, you know, to big verdicts or settlements. And the problem I think you, you have from the insurer's standpoint is, you know, often the spoliation, uh, the loss of evidence has occurred before they get involved. Uh, and so you're seeing more and more spoliation claims now in weaker premises liability cases where liability is very questionable to try and get the carriers to the table. So I think it's important that the insurers advise their insurers about the duty to preserve evidence when they have notice. Uh, and I think if, if insurers, you know, quite often will meet with bigger insurers and talk to them about best practices, I think one is to make sure there is no spoiler. You don't give the other side the potential. And to put your insurers, you know, talk to them about if you have these premises liabilities cases, the duty to preserve things such as surveillance tapes, log books, you know, keep the important items you can use. And another thing that I think insurers can be aware of is as an insurance claims person, you can um, also use foliation to your advantage. If you ask the plaintiff to preserve certain evidence and they fail to preserve it, all of those potential sanctions that we discussed uh, that are available for the plaintiff against the defendant, the defendant can potentially make against the plaintiff. So if you say please preserve this item, and the plaintiff throws it away knowing you've asked for it, then those presumptions and possible sanctions can be made against them. So it, it, it's not a, a one-way street. I mean, if, if the plaintiffs are put on notice, and I have one client that, quite frankly, whenever there's a big incident, they write the plaintiffs and or their attorney and tell them, we want you to preserve all of these items for that very reason. George, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was attorney George Hall from the law firm of Hall Barrett, PC in Augusta, Georgia. Special thanks to today's producer, John Weber. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to iTunes or our webpage, www.ambest.com directories. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 